Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz. And you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website, sumatisparks.com. And when you request the quiz, you'll be automatically added to my mailing list. So you'll be the first to learn about my virtual events, and to receive occasional helpful tidbits of advice and information to add more love, passion, and joy into your life. So tonight I am so excited to have as my guest, Carolyn Lee Arnold. Carolyn is a native Californian with a New England education and graduate degrees in women's studies, statistics, and educational research. She drew upon her 30 years as a social science researcher and 10 years as a relationship workshop assistant to create the dating project 50 First Dates After 50, which became her recently published memoir. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Thank you, Sumati. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to have you back again. Carolyn was on my show about three or four years ago with her mm-hmm. partner at the time, who was one of her 50 First Dates, by the way. Yes, same partner. <laughs> yes, and I'm still with him, yes. Yes, so great. Yeah, so it's really great to have you, and um, gosh, you and I have known each other for probably 20 years now, and I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I mean, you had this long career as a a social science researcher, and then you started writing your book, I don't know, eight years ago, was it? And now it's come out, and ten years ago you started writing it? Ten years ago. Well, that's when the, the dating project started, right? Well, right. Well, I, I, I started writing the book when I finished the dating oh, project, when I successfully right. okay. finished it. Got it, got um, it. Yeah. Uh, well, should so I say I'm what so that was? Yeah, no, go ahead. Please oh, tell you. us a little bit about the 51st yeah. Dates Project and how that came about. Well, um, the way it came about was um, I was breaking up with someone I dearly loved, but who I we couldn't be with because we had different life goals and we were living on different continents. And I needed, and it was about the first time in my life where, I, when I really wanted a primary partner, a, a, a long-term partner. I had all, always had short relationships up until then, until the last one, which was seven years. And I wanted, and I was in my late fifties, and I wanted to see how could I figure out who I would want to be with because I didn't think my, I, I'd been, um, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know who, what my type was of men. And I just want to put throw in that I was looking for men at this time, but earlier in my life I had spent a long period of time with women. Carolyn? This particular time I, yes? Can you um, move back from your microphone just a fraction oh, of an yeah, inch? Oh, sure. okay. yeah, Yeah, I heard the um, I was looking for a male partner, a committed male partner, because the one I was with didn't want to commit, and that's one of the reasons we were breaking up. And so I thought I would, I, I had to think, how could I um, date men and figure out what type I would like? And I wanted to cast my net wide. And I'm a researcher, so I think in quantitative goals. So I said, I need a big goal. I need to know I'm going to date a lot of men, so I have a big choice of types of men. So I set the goal of 50 um, based on two things. One is that movie, 50 First Dates. sounded good. She, of course, was with 50 men, the same man, 50 times. That's because she had amnesia. And <laughs> my, I decided <laughs> I would be, go on 50 different dates with different men. And so I thought, and also I'm a statistician, so I thought that um, I knew that 50 was a good sample size in order to get significant results, which is what I wanted. So I gave myself a goal of 50 um, in my late 50s, 
and it took me two and a half years to get to get up to fifty dates because I, of course I was working full time and and that's a lot of dates. <laughs> it turns out I didn't really do the math. I didn't know how long it would take, but I just kept persisting. And one of the things I noticed um, about it was I had a lot of fun doing this dating. I was because I, I had this goal and I was tripping kind of lightly through all the dates. And I, even though I, I kind of got I, I, I got rejected sometimes, I got my heart broken. I broke a few hearts. I still had a great time. I, and 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 so um, and and along the way, I did develop who I, the type of man I thought I wanted. Um, but I still kept being open to lots of different men. And near the end of my project, I did find my partner. So as I was getting to the end, um, I th- uh, my friends I, were saying, you should write these. These are such great stories. You should write them down. So I started writing them down. And then I realized I really liked writing. And I realized I had some good stories. So the stories of those 50 first dates and and subsequently finding my partner became the book. Amazing. That's so cool. And so um, can you tell me about your relationship with non-monogamy and and polyamory did were you polyamorous before you started this project were you polyamorous during it how about after <laughs> good good question um i was in the relationship i was in was monogamous before the one where i was breaking up with we we're but but we had a little twist on monogamy we we committed for 6 months at a time because neither of us really liked the we we, we were afraid of being trapped but we we wanted some security so we committed for 6 months at a time those six months added up to seven years. Wow! And um, and it was when we when we were parting, um, I what I really wanted was a committed partner. So no, I, I was going for a monogamous partner. However, my whole life I had been used to having at least one lover, sometimes two, because I was single most of my life. Mm-hmm. So I I was often be, before I had started seeing um, the man I call Peter in my book. Um, I was seeing about three men because I was I I, I was getting my needs met from different men. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't think I would call myself polyamorous. In fact, I was with someone who was polyamorous, who was, and I was saying I'm an, I want a monogamous, monogamous partner. But at the time, I was seeing three men, and he was seeing one person. So it looked like he was monogamous and I was polyamorous. But okay, so the intention wasn't really. This is a case of I'm not polyamorous, but my boyfriends are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes, kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so you know, I guess some people don't really think of themselves as polyamorous when they're dating because they're not really committed to any one person, and they might be having sex with multiple people during that dating process. But other people don't. They feel like they just want to have only one lover as they're exploring to see if that one's going to work out. So why did you choose to do it the former way? Um, for a couple of reasons. One was, um, one was I really, I did not, I thought it would slow down the project to just focus on one person at a well, time. Well, that's true. <laughs> and and, and I, I really wanted to um, really, what I was trying to do was experience the type of men. So I would go on dates. Um, sometimes I would sleep with them if I knew them well enough or got to know them well enough. But it was a process of getting to know people, but also um, going through, out with different types of men. So I was, I, and and since I was a sexual person, I was definitely going to be sleeping with somebody on this trip. And and um, what I what I started to do was some of my early dates who became apparent, I, they weren't partner material they were either too young for me or they had a primary partner or something um they became my lovers my and who's pretty much sustained me for the whole project so that i would have someone to sleep with so yes i i I kind of agree with that like when you're dating you can't be monogamous i or i couldn't i couldn't be monogamous i i ran some of the men that i dated they disagreed with me and they really were uncomfortable with the fact that i was seeing other men sleeping with other men Mm -hmm. and it felt like we were had a real clash of culture because I called it they they I called what they were doing was monogamous dating, mm-hmm. and what I was doing was non monogamous dating. Even though I was trying to find a monogamous partner, um, I felt like dating is is just um, de facto polyamorous. 
Because yeah, I mean, I love how you call it non-monogamous dating. That's like a thing. I've never really thought of that as its own thing because there are different ways to do dating. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's really cool. Yeah. And Carolyn, keep, keep pulling that microphone okay. back. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, don't, I want you to get a good quality recording. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, so tell us, like, in general what the book is about. Well, the book is, in, in a way, the book is three books in one because I've, I feel like, first of all, it's a fun dating book that has a lot of tips on how to date well, I think, for all ages. I kind, of, I kind of fell into this way of dating that I think works very well for people to, to, to really kind of um, scroll, not scroll, through, <laughs> scroll through or screen people for their partners. It was the idea of having a goal, and then seeing dating as research, and even though, but you don't have to be a researcher to see dating as research. But you're just collecting information about how you are and how the men are, and it's it can be a little more objective if you don't get involved in each person, you know, and get monogamous with them. Um, and so, so there's time. See, the, one of the things that I was trying to counteract with the dating is as what I saw in my older friends, my friends who are my age. Um, it's so when we get older and we're really looking for that that par- partner, um, there's so much weight on each date. We we really think, is this the one? Is this the one? And maybe we do get involved with them and, and we're with them for a couple of months or a couple of years, and we and we and there's a lot of weight on those dates, and and it's really easy to either settle for someone that we're not that's just okay, or get our hearts broken and get discour- so discouraged we won't date again, or um, or not even date at all because we are so picky. We have a list that, and we want no one matches this list enough for a first date. Mm-hmm. So what I was doing was counteracting all of that. I feel like that with the goal and with seeing dating as more research, and I was dating types, not individuals. So um, so it, it made each date lighter, and I could just enjoy the each man I was with and appreciate what was good about him and how I and I and look at how I felt and what I was like with that type of man. So mm-hmm. those were lots of types of ways. That's, those are, those, that's the basics of how I dated. There were some other details about it, but, but it was a great – but having the goal and seeing dating as research is, is key. So mm-hmm. in one sense – and also, and also um, other dating things that not everyone would want to follow is I, I had lovers while I was dating to sustain me, I think, um, physically and sexually. And, mm-hmm. um, and um, just that um, – that I was looking at types and that I also didn't start with a list. I developed my list as I went and I really didn't have it till more the end. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's the dating part of the book. But then there's, the, the book also has two other aspects because um, one is because I was an older, independent, strong feminist and very sexual woman. And so I, was, I, I, I feel like my book is a model of older women being sexual while dating, mm-hmm. which a lot of us are, but not everyone wants to talk about mm-hmm. or admit even. And mm-hmm. so I feel like it's a, um, there are a lot of sex scenes in my book because I, want, I kept them in, even though sometimes to my own chagrin, but because I felt like this is how I was and this is how I am, and I want other women to see themselves reflected in me or at least my openness reflected mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. So it's that. It's a model of older women being sexual and dating. And then the other thing, my book is, is I happen to be in that milieu in Northern California of people who go to personal growth workshops and spiritual ceremonies and have open sexuality and sensuality experiences. And that's different for a lot of people. And it's so people get a glimpse of that way of living. And um, it's, a, it's a lot of people, I mean, because you know them, too. It's a lot mm-hmm. of people who are very open in terms of their communication and clear and direct, and it's it's. I think it's a model of healthy relationships mm-hmm. um, that people can see. So my book offers yeah. that also. Well, that's cool. So it's really got kind of three different aspects to it, and three different things to offer people. Um, so I love mm-hmm. that you're normalizing women over fifty being sexual, and even maybe being a, like what would be called slutty. But like in our mm-hmm. worlds, in our circles, people have reclaimed that word. And have like right. taken it as an empowering word, like I'm an ethical slut, or I'm a I'm a trustworthy <laughs> slut, or I'm 
you know, I'm I'm a conscious slut. <laughs> you know, like we right. kind of like empowered that word because really it was just a put down for women who were sexual beings and were all sexual beings. So clearly it was just like a patriarchal concept that women shouldn't have a a sexual appetite at all. And so I love that you are normalizing that. And then you're also normalizing mature women because it's such an ageist society. So, you know, young people might be like, ew, gross, I don't want to think about a mature woman having sex. (laughs) I love that you're just like putting it out there. And when you talk about it, you're so matter of fact about it. And I know that's like normal in your microculture that you're in, but um, it's just really refreshing to hear how, matter of fact you talk about being a sexual woman it's really beautiful oh thank you thank you yeah i do i do i do like it when some of the reviews i've gotten have said i've normalized these this culture and this mm-hmm. and that and i feel great about that that is what i was trying to do yeah and speaking about your reviews i want to congratulate you on an award you just won you just heard about it today <laughs> I just heard about it today, like an hour before the show. Oh, my God. Tell um, us about it. Well, well, I'm in a publishing house of all women, and we, we just apply for awards, and people are always getting awards. And I really didn't think I was going to get any awards because, I, I mean, I'm just a beginning writer, really. And, and I got an award today, and the award was the Best Books of America. You know, I applied for it. And, um, and, the, and the category I got it in was New Age Nonfiction. Ooh. And... Because because of the new age, that's the, naming the new age aspect of my book, mm, and, and I love that they recognize that. Um, yeah, I was almost going to call my book. I almost called my book new, the New Age Search for Mister Right. Ah. And um, my publisher thought that would narrow it down too much, the, the audience too much. So we, we, I don't have that's not on it. But but I like that I was recognized for that uh, that content. Congratulations! And it's thrilling to just get any award. So yeah, that's so great. So great. Really great. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I've read excerpts of your book, but I haven't read the whole book yet. I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, But I remember I helped you with one section of your book where you were at a retreat and you wanted to find somebody to kind of fall in love with just for that week long retreat. So tell me, tell our listeners a little bit about what what was that like to get so close to somebody for like a week, knowing that you're not going to see them again probably because they live in another state right that was actually also a good example of me trying out polyamory because Mm. um i was at that retreat for 10 days i was um in the 30s of my project up in you know date number 35 or something and i noticed that um and i really i thought i was going to be kind of open and just go to a lot of workshops at the retreat and just have kind of float around but I realized, no, I want to be sleeping with one person here. And um, in a way, it was freeing to know that I was anyone, everyone there was from far away and I, they wouldn't come home with me <laughs> and that I could try out a different relationship. And the relationship I wanted to try out was having a main partner, a primary person, and also having a quote-unquote secondary person who is not as important, like having a, a main person but also another person that I was maybe slept with or sexual with. And mm. it worked out that I could do that there. Um, one, mm. of the, one of the young men said, asked me if, he wanted, if I wanted to be a primary partner of his at the, at the camp. It was just, oh, wow. And I, and I, and I, and I, um, I kind of interviewed. There weren't that many single men there. And um, I interviewed them all and decided on him. And he was perfect because he gave me this experience. He was very sexual and touchy, and we had all that. But he also gave me the experience because I, I, there was another guy I was attracted to, and I spent a nice um, sensual evening with him on um, some sort of sensual stroking exercises we did. And my per- first person was very generous. I mean, he, he just had no jealousy, basically. He said, oh, yeah, you should spend time with him too. Mm. And so I ended up spending two nights with the other guy. We actually never – we weren't actually sexual. We were just cuddling. But it was mm. just that feeling that I could go off with somebody else and then be welcomed back. And I was mm-hmm. wanting to experience that. And and mm-hmm. this guy um, um, what, did, did that. And, and so he did was, you have to experience them um, being with other people? Actually, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't go that far. So I, okay, it you wasn't got, a complete you got experience. On that one. <laughs> I know, I know, because actually part of my reflecting on it said, this, this was great, 
but how can I, how would this really work in the real world? I thought, and also, would I be as open with my lover as they were with me? Mm-hmm. I really wondered if I could do that. So I was left feeling like uh, I don't I don't think it's going to work. But I loved the experiment. It, it, that situation was was just perfect for me. And and but like I said, it was freeing to know they lived far away, so I could just. Right. I guess I do have that ability to open my heart and be present with someone, mm-hmm. and then, um, and I if I kind of in my head know what the limits are, like this right. is going to be just these ten days, right? And so then in your other dates that you had during this whole fifty first date period, mm-hmm. did you ever have a a person you were dating that you kind of got a little bit attached to who was dating someone else? Did you get to experience that at all during this time? Wow, that's a, no one's ever asked me that before, and I'm <laughs> racking my brain for this in the date, and I don't think I did. Oh, oh, I know. Here's the deal. Yes, I mean, I was dating several men who had primary partners. But, oh. But here's the thing that I did. First of all, I just want everyone to know I had total permission from their partner to be with mm-hmm. a man mm-hmm. on the, the, whatever dates I was with him. So it was very open and clear. But I do something when I know someone has a primary partner, or they, there were even one or two that were married. Um, I I do I, I I put a little wall around my heart or something like I don't go deep with them. I don't let mm. myself feel as much as I would feel if that if that that person was totally available to me. Mm-hmm. I protect mm-hmm. my own heart. This this book also has a lot of good examples of me protecting my heart or soothing my heart or comforting my heart if she gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And and I happen to be really good at whatever I do inside to say, no, I'm not going to go deeply with this guy. Once mm-hmm. the opposite thing happened, one of the partners of one of the men, I, I called her because I wanted to reassure her that I, you know, wanted to sleep with her husband, but I was not going to go, you know. You were just using him away. for your book project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And so I said, I just want to let you know, you know, I'm looking forward to being with him, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, fall in love with him or anything. And she said, oh, please do, do fall in love, do feel your feelings. I want him to feel everything. I want mm. you to feel everything. And I went, oh, no. That's, oh, that's not beautiful. what I want. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful on her part. She had that ability yeah. to, to right. that open ability to just be generous and not wanting to keep him from any other experience. Yeah. But I yeah. wasn't there yet. I think that showed me my limit, that I was actually trying to take care of me because I didn't think I would be comfortable going deeply with him when I knew he was married and that really couldn't be with me very as much as I wanted. I I really wanted a primary partner. Yeah. And well you were clear about experience- that. So you could tell the the wives right away or the primary partners right away that you um that you're looking for something different and this is just part of your project to experience right. different men and experience what Ex- it's like to be with all these different people. Yeah, and that's what exactly what I said. And and people understood that and most people are they were fine with that right they were, well, it makes we were at the point of talking mm-hmm. sorry go ahead uh, oh well if we were at the point of talking about it then they were at the point of feeling comfortable with that got it um, um it just reminds me of so many of my clients who are you know in a in a monogamous relationship for a period of time and then they come to me to learn how to open their relationship they often start out swinging or they start out with a friends with benefit arrangement and then they say, you know, um, you know, you're my you're my everything, you're my person and I'm not going to like fall in love with anybody. It's just for fun. It's just for sexual expression and variety. And and then I usually have to ask them like, you know, that's not something you can always control. So what if you do develop feelings for that person? Like let's address that now before it happens because if you keep doing this long enough, it's inevitable that one of you is going to develop feelings for somebody that you're having sex with. That's just how human beings work. <laughs> we can't mm-hmm. always stay in this kind of detached, you know, recreational sex mode. And I've had lots of people come to me who started out as swingers and one of them fell in love with a playmate and then they came to me going, oh, no, what do we do now? <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's good for us to remember that like our our hearts are not just these things that we can, you know. I mean, you can do that for a, a few dates, but you know, over a period yeah. of time, you can't just wall yourself off from living as a human being with a full heart. You know, that's just who we are as people. Right. 
Right, and and it, and um, right, especially, um, yeah. I think it was easier for me during this project because I was so focused on finding the right partner, and I was not gonna kind of be. Um, I, I I really, I mean, you know, I, what I was going to say earlier was, as a single person, I, I've I've experienced a little bit of being a secondary person, like being a third person to a couple sometimes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I I don't find that very satisfying, especially mm-hmm. if I'm single and what I really want is a part primary partner, mm-hmm. right? It, it just feels very unsatisfying and not enough for me, and whereas right. when I Whereas if I have a primary partner, it's okay to be. I don't mind being secondary with someone because it doesn't. It, I, I'm filled. I'm filled by myself. But I'm not a very good example of someone who has experienced and dealt with um, feelings of jealousy or feelings of of um, you know kind of falling in love outside of the relationship. I actually haven't experienced that very much. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. I can't really speak to that very well. No, I, I found that it really just—it depends on like how much. When I've been with men who are, have other partners, um, it depends on how much they can. It's like a man who you can trust his yes because he has a strong no. So a man that has a strong no, when he says yes, I can be with you, I can love you for this weekend or this week I'm spending with you or this night. Like, I can love you fully and be here, and then next week I can't, <laughs> you know, because I have my family yeah. and my commitments. But when I'm with you, I'm going to love you fully. And not a lot of people can do that. They feel like if they oh. love you fully in those moments, that that's somehow some kind of commitment that they have to do the mm-hmm. whole thing, you know. And oh, so that's a yeah. challenge for people to do when they have when they have multiple partners to really show up with each person. Yeah. You have to have strong boundaries around your time and your commitment. Yeah, and that's precious when you can find someone like that, isn't it? To yes, be, it to is. Yeah. To, to sink in oh, it's, oh, it's really so. Be, I mean, I've, I'm speaking from like a hetero female perspective, but you know, it's really hot in a man when he has a strong no, when you can't roll over him, when you can't manipulate him, when he just doesn't mm-hmm. allow it. And you don't always mm-hmm. like it in the moment because you can be whiny yeah. and you can, oh, can you please just extend our vacation two more days? You know, you want to be able to <laughs> manipulate him. But when he says, no, I'm committed to going uh-huh. to my child's soccer game or whatever, you know, yeah. it's, it's ultimately he becomes a very trustworthy, reliable man, you know, and you ultimately yeah. feel safer with a man like that. Right, right. And I find right. that a lot of men get, bowled over by women because they think that that's what they're supposed to do. They think that they're supposed to please the woman and do what she says. And then they kind of lose their backbone and they wonder why their wife eventually doesn't want to have sex with them because they haven't held that firm boundary. That's ultimately really hot and a great turn on for women. So I I teach men how to like find that, find that strong, that strength. And like, even if your woman is freaking out and crying and begging and, you know, doing all the emotional things that women do, <laughs> you mm-hmm. stand in your truth. You stay there no matter what, mm-hmm. and that's ultimately going to be a win for everyone. <laughs> well, well, what, what's also hot, part of that, of course, is clear communication and mm-hmm. being able to say what you want everybody on, on every side mm-hmm. and then, you know, do, doing what we learned in the high workshops, which is, you know, asking for what you want but willing to, what you said, being willing to hear no. Exactly, right. And, yes, and that is um, one of the first things they teach you in there. So tell tell us a little bit about the the, your, the culture that you refer to this personal growth mm-hmm. workshop culture, um, and like how you got into that. And I mean, maybe it goes back to when you were a lesbian feminist identified person. But um, <laughs> like, tell us a little. Oh, actually, before we go into that question, because that's a big question, I just want to mm-hmm. say for the people who are joining us late, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host. Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. And we're speaking with Carolyn Lee Arnold, who just released her memoir called 50 First Dates After 50. And it's already won an award in the New Age um, nonfiction category. So it's an excellent book with great reviews on Amazon. I read a bunch of your reviews. They're so amazing. And um, so, you know, please feel free to call in if you have any questions for Carolyn while she's here with us. The call-in number is 657-383-1132, 
and you won't interrupt us. You'll be put on hold, and we'll just get to your call at the right time. So, again, that number is 657-383-1132. Okay, so if you could just give us a little history of your personal growth, spiritual ceremony kind of history and how that led to you being able to do this dating project. Okay. Okay. I think the spiritual ceremonies came actually before the personal growth. I mean, I was, I hit my twenties in Berkeley in the seventies and I, right after college and I rapidly became a lesbian feminist. I was a feminist already. I became a lesbian because it was so exciting to be a lesbian feminist in the seventies. And I was also, there were also pagan rituals and native American rituals in Berkeley then that we could go to and out in the country um, and women's, all women's rituals out in the country on the river, naked on the river. So I've been doing that for a long time and being naked at rivers and beaches for all that time. So that was normal to me and continued from Berkeley and San Francisco and Harbin Hot Springs. Um, but the personal growth part, the workshops, I did not discover until in my 40s. And I, what, what happened was I identified as a, being a lesbian for 18 years I never found the right woman. I, I couldn't get the right balance of of, um, of strength and softness and what I, who I wanted as a woman, and it never worked. And so my relationships were only one or two years with women, and then it, as they had been with men before that. And then I went back to men, um, and they were very interesting, and I was really attracted to them and glad to be back with them. But, but I also couldn't figure out how to get, have a long relationship. They were also, the relationships were one or two years. I wasn't picking people who were going to last for me. I didn't know how to pick. So finally I discovered the Human Awareness Institute who, because they gave workshops on how to have a good relationship, on love, intimacy, and sexuality. And I didn't need the sexuality part as much as I needed the love and intimacy part about how to really grow into loving somebody and being intimate. And I was, I felt like I'd come home when I walked into those workshops, where, which were at Harbin Hot Springs in the 90s and 2000s. And I, I felt um, enveloped by a group of very, very loving people. And what I learned there was their, their, their belief system is that you can't have a relationship with someone else unless you love yourself. Of course, we all hear that, but what does that mean really? It doesn't mean going into a room and saying, I love myself, I love myself. What the, the workshops allowed me to do was to learn to love myself um, in reflection of other people because they taught us to look for the goodness in each person. Who, what, what do you see in this person that you really appreciate, either their energy or physically or what they say or how they are, and learning to tell them that. So it's very big on appreciating people and, and just really seeing the best in them. And so while you're seeing the best in someone else, they're seeing the best in you. And you get those, that reflection back um, mm-hmm. of how good, the goodness in yourself. And it's experiential, meaning if you, do, if you go to a workshop after workshop, weekend after weekend, it starts to sink in. And, of course, we all have negative messages about ourselves from our parents and our raised, however we were raised. I had really great parents, but they were critical still. And, um, and so I came into the high workshops with some very negative feelings about myself. Of course, at the top was, why can't I find a partner? I, I must mm-hmm. not be lovable. I can't find a partner. And, um, and, and, and the workshops encouraged us to be honest, to, to say what those fears were. Like, I'm really afraid I can't find a partner. I feel sad. I feel like I'm not lovable. And so that was the other thing about being honest with someone about our worst fears about ourselves and our worst judgments about ourselves and having... Um, and, and, and having that just be heard, we, we just encourage just to listen and support people. So that was, that's, a, that's a huge part of it. They just teach appreciation and love. Mm-hmm. But they also do a lot on non-sexual touch and, and the soothing nature of just stroking someone's face and, and just skin-to-skin touch that can be so nurturing as a way to connect with people. So they introduced me instead, because I was used to being very sexual with people, they introduced me to a whole range of touch that was could be um, safe and nurturing and, mm-hmm. and supportive while dating or friendships or whatever. That's just the tip mm-hmm. of the iceberg, but it, yeah. Yeah and, so, yeah, and so how did that um, help you in this dating project? Um, what are some of the ways that it oh. helped you? Oh, oh, um, thanks. 
that's how it helped. How it helped is I feel like I modeled. If I didn't had hadn't been to high, I wouldn't have done so well in the dating project because mm-hmm. I modeled it. Of course, having the goal and having dating as research was not was really my idea, but the fact that I knew how to appreciate people mm-hmm. gave me such a um, a, a I feel like a, an advantage in dating because I I felt like I was really giving a lot to the men that I was with, even if I was just with them for one evening, mm-hmm. and and seeing them and also being able to take in their presence with me. So it was that learning to be present with people. And also high is this great um this great phrase called the event equals the event. Like mm-hmm. if you're sitting with someone and you're just gazing into their eyes, just just be with them in that event. It's it's not going to doesn't necessarily going to lead to sex or something. Mm-hmm. It's like trying mm-hmm. to it really helped me be in the present so I could do that a lot in dating. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's really it's so common that that people feel like if there's any kind of glance or flirtation or touch that that means that you want to have sex, and so that keeps people from having all those intermediate intermediate or inter- intermediary kinds of connections because they don't mm-hmm. know how to talk about their boundaries because there's so many right. different ways I've learned how you know to, to be intimate with people in so many different ways you know I can say. I, in fact, I just told this man a few years ago, I really like flirting with you. And he kept asking me out on a date. And I said, I, I want to just keep it flirting. Like, I I really enjoy <laughs> how we flirt. And that it's fun for me. And is it okay with you if we just keep it at the level of flirting? And he was a little disappointed. But, you know, ultimately he signed up for that too. And so okay. it's been fun because it gave me a certain level of energy, you know, to flirt. And so, and then you could also have mm-hmm. a cuddle buddy who you wear clothes with and yeah. you just cuddle, or you can even have, and I'll give you an example of a man that I had been lovers with, but then he got into a monogamous relationship, but he came to a retreat I was at and I said, what are your boundaries with your new sweetie? And he said, everything but penetration, including tongue. And I said, well, can, can we kiss without tongue? And he said, yes. And so we, we went into this. Yeah cuddle area with all these pillows and we lay down and we just like made out for like 45 minutes with no tongue. <laughs> it was so fun. Good for you. It was so it's, awesome. Like with our clothes on, you know, we didn't like get yeah. naked or anything, but just, you know, like it was so sweet. And because we had been lovers mm-hmm. before, it was a way for us to kind of reconnect while still mm-hmm. honoring his agreement with his partner, you know? Yeah. So it, we held that boundary the whole time. Like we never stuck that our tongues great. out the whole time. And it was so much fun. Like boundary, I remember Evelina Rose once said, "Boundaries are hot." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, oh yeah, that's really true." <laughs> and and also clarity is hot. What's hot is clarity. People having yeah. clear boundaries and and saying what they want. And it reminds me of another big tenet of high. I can't believe I didn't mention this, which is choice. Being at mm-hmm. choice with what you do every minute, really every second. Stan Dale mm-hmm. said, "Every second you get a second chance." And that is so true in dates as you start to be with someone physically and might mm-hmm. want to start touching and then mm-hmm. but only want to go so far to know in your in your bones that it's okay to stop at any time and say I, I want to stop here I just want to kiss I don't want to go farther and that's been you know, we we were all we, uh, many of us are trained to continue whatever the other person wants to do mm-hmm. and to to learn in our bones that we have the power to say this is what I want right now, and I don't. And mm-hmm. change our mind. That's the right. other thing to change our mind mm-hmm. at any moment. That's the choice part. That is really important, and, I, and I, I think in our culture now, so many people will continue just because they started um, moving towards sexuality with someone. They feel like they can no longer change their mind, and then there's a lot of, particularly men, who think that that's that the woman is not allowed to change her mind. And so I think right. that's really important that we emphasize that, that consent is something that you need to continuously give throughout the whole yeah. time you're with somebody. Yeah. You know, that sounds like, when you say it that way, it sounds like it was something from the 50s that men expecting women to keep going. and, and mm-hmm. so, That whole I can't, concept it's hard of blue balls that, and so, everything. Like, you can't give me blue balls. Yeah. You're bad. Right. Yeah. Right, that, that's such a myth, and it, I mm-hmm. can't believe it continues now. But I think there, there not, isn't enough counteracting of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, one of my dates really shows this. I call it choice, and it really shows how I decide minute to minute what to do, um, and with mm-hmm. a clear communication. 
So that's awesome. I feel good about modeling that kind of thing. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about who the winner was of your 51st date project. Okay. <laughs> um, is it okay to say his name? Oh, his real name, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so yeah. it's okay to say his real name. Well, not his last name, but his first name, yeah. His first name, okay. All right, so yeah. um, so can you tell us, like, I, I listened to your, I was there in your Zoom um, uh, release party, and yeah. I heard you say that you don't tell us what number he was in the 50 dates. So right. why do, why do right. you not tell us? Well, I want it to be a little bit of a mystery, like, you know, that's one of the reasons to read the book. Like, how, when did I find him? I mean, I obviously, I want people to know I found him, to know that it was a successful dating project. Mm-hmm. But there's a little, you know, there's a little mystery about which date was he and mm-hmm. and um, and what happened and how did I find him. So that's all. And so do you that's ever, do people ever get to know, or is it something you just want to keep it that way? Well, oh, they would say read the book. Oh, you oh you find out in the book. Okay, got it. Oh, in the book, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, got yeah, it. You just don't tell people ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's like giving away the ending. I mean, the ending okay. overall is that I found a partner, but oh, how? Yeah, yeah. You know, the okay. the intricacies yeah. of of our of our um of our meeting and and how I realized it was him because one of the things well, yeah, that that's what it I was very know. like how did you know he was how soon did you know that he was it? Well. Yeah, I can talk about that because what I'm very clear about is if I met him much earlier, I would not have recognized him and thought he was mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so um, it, a lot of it had to do with my going through all these dates and finding men that I thought were actually quite um, quite um, great matches for me, quite eligible that kept that they kept not thinking I was a match or there was something that was not quite right about them or. You asked if I, I think you asked actually if I lingered with some people, but I did linger with some men thinking they were partially, that they were pretty good. They they, they fulfilled like they were either very spiritual or they were very emotional or they were, they were great, had great intimacy skills and great at talking things out or they were good, um, we had a great sexual connection and intimacy skills um, or they were spiritual and they had a they were had a business and so they were very, you know, productive and interesting. Um, you know, part of it is dating is, is that it, we're so susceptible to finding someone who's almost right, who's a partial, who might be a partner, but a partial partner. They, they have part of what we want, mm-hmm. and it's so scary to 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 um, to say no, this isn't right, and go on, and and mm-hmm. say no, I know my perfect partner's out there, but um, I did that. I did that a few times, but sometimes the men themselves said, no, you're not right, and I have I was pushed along. But yeah. the point is, the point is, that I, I I experienced three times men, and one was wonderful companionship. I loved it when he was here on the weekend and the companionship. I, but it was part of me realizing I wanted companionship, or I wanted just someone with spirituality, or I want someone with great sexual energy, or I want someone with great intimacy skills. So I had all those partial things with these people, and then when um, when Jim came along, he had everything. Mm-hmm. And, and so. Um, but 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 I, actually the I, ironic thing was he he looked too poly for me. I thought he was too poly. Mm. Um, and so I was a very kind of wary of him. Um, so he had been so he was seeing other people when you met him. Yeah, he had several girlfriends. He had a wife who he was still. Um, they were kind of separating, but not quite. And so it felt like he was not available especially mm-hmm. to be a primary partner to me. Mm-hmm. So I was just very, um, um, I, I was just wary and didn't think it was going to work. I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. think he was really that, I, I was looking again, I was looking for a primary, I thought monogamous pers- um, partner. So I um, I kind of, but, I, but then I kept being drawn to him. I kept running into him and being drawn to him. Mm-hmm. And so how how it kind of, um, Played out was is, is is part of the story and part of the interesting story that in the book. But um, yeah. but I think the point is that that I think that that dating and finding the right person, you know, sometimes you don't notice the right person right away. 
There is a myth mm-hmm. of the, the spark, like you're looking for well, that yeah, spark. Well, yeah, because I was going to say I remember. I mean, it's been a long time ago, but I think I remember that you weren't sure about him for a while. It might have been because you were still kind of grieving your last partner, but mm-hmm. you weren't. I thought I remembered you not being totally sure about Jim for a while. Right, right, right. It was. Well, part of it was all these other things, like isn't he kind of poly and is he really going to commit to me? I want someone who will commit to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and so... Um, and I didn't, I didn't see that he was available for that. Mm-hmm. But he, he showed, he slowly showed me that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I didn't allow myself to feel as much for him until I could see that that was happening. I see. Um, but, but there's, but there's also a, there's some new, I don't know if how new research is, but there's actually another book out there that is kind of validates what I was doing, which is it's called How to Not Die Alone, mm-hmm. um, by woman named Logan is her last name and and she talks about how the spark is not a good indicator of mm-hmm. who you right. should be with you, you need to get to know someone and you know you know do all these checking things out you really need to check things out with someone and I think I did through a process of checking him out mm-hmm. um, and that's how yeah true decided he was yeah one of, one of the people I interviewed on my radio show years ago Timothy Earl he said you want to look for somebody who you're attracted to on a scale of one to ten, like in the six to eight range, rather than if they're a nine or ten, like run the other way. <laughs> oh yeah, uh huh. Yeah, like you have enough attraction to them that you could imagine them being your romantic sexual partner for the rest of your life, but you don't want it to be somebody that sets you into that drunken state of like hormonal, you know, new relationship energy where you. You're not making good decisions. You're letting your hormones decide things for you. <laughs> right. It it certainly does help to have a complete picture. Uh, to, uh, you know, a, a lot of different levels that you connect on someone. And I also just want to throw in a word for visioning, for having a vision and 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 manifesting, because mm-hmm. I did in the middle of all this uh, take a little class in which they taught us to have, a, of course, the usual thing: have a list of who you want. But they started with a list of how. What do they want me to be? Who is I? What, what is my mm-hmm. wh- uh, how I how I what I loved about myself, and what I was willing to give to a partner, and mm-hmm. then uh, the list of what did I want in a partner, and then a very specific vision about what our lives would be like. And mm-hmm. I wrote all that down, and I put it away, and I just um, put it, it. I I summarized it in about five lines. It's still in my bathroom. About we celebrate our great connections of physical, spirit, heart, and something. And um, I, I put it away, and 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 in the end, he matched that perfectly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably intellectual because you're both very smart. Yeah, well, that was one thing. That was one mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, uh, he has he has his. I, I'm a writer now. I do spend a lot of time on writing and books and things. And he has some research to do. Um, we, we're very well matched. We're, we're matched athletically. We like doing certain, the same similar athletic things. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we're he he has a quick mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, so, um, so, um, what I was going to say about the visioning is, you can have a vision, but you still have to do the footwork. You still have mm-hmm. to do the things that make you get out there and date. You have to pick up and go to parties you don't feel like going to. You have to go go on blind dates. Go on, go take all the opportunities you can to mm-hmm. see people. Because, mm-hmm. because really, it's not magic. It's kind of a numbers game. I mean, you just mm-hmm. have to meet enough people until you find someone that is a good match for you, if that's what you want. Right. And not everyone wants right. one match. But if you do, you do. it's okay to go through a lot of people. And I was going to go to it for another – if I hadn't found him by 50, I was going to do another 50 dates. Wow. So <laughs> That's <I'm>, awesome. <laughs> well, So um, in the last few minutes we have, I want to talk a little bit about the unique things of dating when you're over 50 for both men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, mm-hmm. I just want to say that, that Jim said that he thinks the book is really great for men to read too. So share right. with us why, why men, why Jim thinks that. And then also tell us about like, what are some of the dating tips or what did you learn about dating mm-hmm. as an older woman? And what can you share with men and women about dating over 50? Okay. Well, a part of the, um, the dating over 50 is knowing the things that we're susceptible when we're older. So mm-hmm. it's, it's things that I've said um, in different places here are the, the things that we're so susceptible to putting a lot of weight on each date 
and then mm. staying with someone even if they're not right and if mm. they're only partial partners mm-hmm. and and or or um, dating someone that we think is perfect and then getting so devastated that we stop completely mm-hmm. um, and then there's the other thing of having the list and 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 not even going out because no one matches the list for their first even for the first date right. so so a lot of the things I was doing was to counteract that what that and so I feel like that my my attitude of seeing dating as more as a little step back and more research and date a type date for types of people not for individuals as much mm-hmm. like you know have you ever wanted to be with an artist or someone who's athletic or you know an intellectual or or a non-intellectual or something mm-hmm. um try to date different types of people and but and then but and the thing that to do during the dates is is just notice instead of saying do I like him do I like him which how how do I feel about me how do I feel about me on this date how do I feel about our interaction and how do I feel about him so there's mm-hmm. a lot of things to kind of analyze like and and as a researcher it's um it's easy very easy to collect data but then you have to analyze it too you have to go home and think about it well how do I feel do I feel good enough to have another date with him or not and it's very easy to get swept up in the mo- in the in the moment so so I just recommend that kind of um, a little detached attitude towards it. But the other thing that's crucial is having is living your life, you know, not putting your whole life on hold while you're dating. You know, uh-huh. we all have very full lives, and we all have things we like to do and, and things that bring us joy. And so we need to be doing those things just to have a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. So, And sometimes you'll meet the people that you want to be with at those events. Sometimes you won't. But the things to do is to keep doing those wonderful things that you like. And part mm-hmm. of that is the other recommendation I have is um, because as we're, all, the other, as we're older, it's harder to find a community. You know, when we're young, we, we have college or a work group or something. But as we're older, it's easy to get isolated in our houses. And um, so... Um, Noticing what groups you're in, if you're in a religious group or a political group or a spiritual group or a athletic group, if it, noticing if it, if it gives you emotional nurturing. What you need is support for this. You know, dating is a long-term project, and you need to build in support, and, and it helps to be conscious of that. And so I would, um, if, you're, if you're not in a group that's giving you support, I would join a group like that puts on workshops on relationships. I feel like that's the best group of people to be with, I found, both for dating and friendships. Mm-hmm. And I also recommend having a small group of people around you as support, either a women's group or a men's group or a co-ed group. Or, I mean, a best friend is good too, but a, a little group is really nice for support. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's being conscious of how you can um, structure your your time so you're taking care of yourself and also um, dating. Mm-hmm. It's just being Beautiful. a little, it's not being too casual about it, that's it. Right. Well, yeah, I like how you said, um, you know, to not just linger with somebody who you know isn't right, and I think that can be a trap for mature women who feel like, oh, nobody else is going to want me, you know, I'm too old mm-hmm. and this and that, and so there's a that belief starts to set in that, this may be the last person that ever wants me, so I've got to stay with them even though they're not quite right. And so right. how do we overcome that kind of internalized ageism? Well, well, one is believing in what we want, that we really want, thinking, you know, thinking about our own lives, is our own life how we want it, first of all? Are we doing the things we like to do that bring us joy? Mm-hmm. And then do I want someone who enhances that or 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 takes things away from it. I mean, mm-hmm. to really make sure you are looking for someone um, that really adds to your life. So it's kind of an attitude shift. The other thing I always say, and as a statistician especially, we only need one. You don't need, you know, there's statistics out there, how, about, how many men, how many women, you know, who's available, who's not. doesn't matter on an individual level. You just need one. And I, what I saw out there when I was dating, both online and in-person people, there are so many different types of men out there who want different things and who are matches for all these different types of women. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just feel like there is somebody for, for at least one person for everybody, probably more than one person for everybody. Yeah, and this holds and true also a for of a, lot of, a lot of my clients are, you know, married or in a long-term relationship and they're, they're looking for a second lover because they want to experience having more than one. And so mm-hmm. most people, what I've found in our culture, most people don't have time for more than two or three full-fledged relationships. And mm-hmm. so even if you're already, even if you already have a nesting partner or an anchor partner, you still might be just looking for one other partner. So just like Carolyn says, you know, it's just one. Like, I, I think people are like, how am I, when they first start with polyamory, they think like, how am I ever going to find anyone to date me? Especially men feel like, you know, I'm married. No one's going to want to date me. And again, they just need to remember it's just, you're just looking for one, maybe two, you know, you're not looking for yeah. A hundred people, yeah. Right. Yeah, that helps a lot. And, and there's mm-hmm. and, and there's so many different types of people who want different things. There's someone mm-hmm. who will match you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's tons of other people in the same situation who have a primary partner yeah. and are looking for an additional yeah. partner. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and right. so what does Jim say about why the book is good for men to read? Oh, he thinks... He thinks it's the secret decoder ring for men to find out what women are thinking, um, <laughs> even though the book is, is about what I'm thinking. But he, he, he does, and the men I have men reading it now who are saying, this is wonderful. I, I never knew women thought this. If I'd known how women were thinking, that would help me when I'm dating. Um, just to know, because I really go through what I'm feeling and thinking on every date, and the men mm-hmm. are very different. So um, they get a clue cool. about how women might react yeah yeah so men if you want to get into the minds of a woman who's dating and looking for a partner read the book (laughs) yeah okay well carolyn this has just been a delight talking to you about this and i'm so proud of you for getting this book out there in the world your baby that you birthed and (laughs) already winning thank you thank you so exciting so yeah if you want to tell our (laughs) listeners where they can find the book and anything else you want to Mm -hmm. offer them Okay. Um, well, first of all, the book can be found wherever books are sold. So if you have a favorite bookstore, you can go and order it there if it's not already there. there it's, it's in some bookstores here in the Bay Area, but um, call first and find out if it's there. Um, and it's on Amazon, and it's, on, it's, it's at Barnes & Noble, um, at least online. And, but the best way, if, but if you want a signed copy, um, you can get it from my local independent bookstore, Pegasus, in, in, which is in um, Berkeley and Oakland. And so the best way to find all those options is to go to my website, which is my name, com. And if you go to that site, there's lots of things there, but there is the page where to buy, and it gives you all the options. There's the link to Amazon. There's the link to Barnes & Noble, but also the link to Pegasus, and also the link to your own, all the independent bookstores, so you can find what independent bookstore is near you, because we really support buying from um, stores other than Amazon to support, because it's the independent bookstores that are really providing the diversity of books these days, mm-hmm. to ma- making sure that they are, so we really are trying to support them. So I've directed a lot of my uh, my followers to buy books at Pegasus, which has been great. They've been appreciating that. So that's how Wonderful. to buy the book. Also, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's great that you're directing people to um, brick-and-mortar bookstores. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is on my site, I also have a blog in which I'm expanding on my dating tips. And speaking of my dating tips, I've kind of thrown out a few here today. I have a detailed list of dating tips, which I will give, I will send out to anyone who does subscribe to my blog. And my blog is expanding on a lot of my ideas about dating and my experiences of dating. I'm just about to publish one tonight called Self-Care. How do you take care of yourself when you're dating? Um, and so it's, it's kind of different aspects of dating. One's about being brave um, and, and different aspects of dating and really living and being in relationships. So I really recommend that. And so if you go to my website and on the bottom of any page, you can sign up for my blog and I'll send you the dating tips, the, the 10 detailed dating tips, and you, you'll, you'll be able to enjoy my blog. And my, my, my site also has lots of information about the book. And, um, oh, and all my appearances, like, for instance, this, will be, this recording will be on it, on that, on that website, all my recordings mm-hmm. of interviews. Great. Okay, well, Carolyn, thank you so much for being here. It was just wonderful, and I wish you continued success with your book. 
Thank you. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so great. Good night. Mm-hmm. Good night. Okay, so um, Leading Edge Love Radio, as you may have noticed, has changed to 5.30 Pacific time because I'm living in Hawaii now and it's, the time zones are just too weird. And also, um, it's happening every other week now instead of every week. So in two weeks from today, which is uh, November 30th, my guest will be Adam Stensby. He wrote an incredible article about why men feel like it's harder for them to find a polyamorous partner if they're already if they already have a primary, and how men can um, how it can be easier for men to find additional partners. So please join us on November 30th at 5:30 p.m. Pacific time on Leading Edge Love Radio. This has been your host Sumati Sparks. Good night, everyone. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.